episode of Money Lab. I'm your host, Matt Cream Frisch, Givenisi, and we have a very special guest on the show instead of the normal episode I do with Andrew. Joining me is the CEO of Fizzle.co. He's also the creator and CEO of a new company we're going to talk about, or a new product we'll talk about, Palapa.co. It's P-L-P-A-L-A-P-A.co, and the co-host of the Fizzle show, Corbett bar also been on the show before friend of the show how are you today i think i was on the first season right i think you were in the way first back when you might have been on the first no were you on the first episode it's possible it's possible it's been a while i'm happy to be back thank you for having yes me. you're well you're welcome and i've been on fizzle a few times yes you have and, cu- and coming back that's right R- round three i believe yeah i mean you just hear good things from people when you have certain folks on and mm. you know we might as well get more of that giovanisi on the show oh nice that's very flattering. Well, I mean, it's not true. It's not true, but it's flattering. I it's, like it. It's super true. <laughs> uh, all right, how are you? You're good. I'm I'm great. I'm always great. Yeah. Well, yeah. usually, usually pretty good. Well, okay, it's because you last time we talked, we talked about what it's like to have a lifestyle business. Yeah, that's that was a topic. Um, today we're going to talk about the same exact thing, except now we're going to throw software in the mix. Yeah, I feel like that changes things. It does. Okay. Yeah, so, I mean, and you know, you're in the middle of software. Yeah. It's a whole different ballgame. It is. And I and I want to discuss like how how you're handling it mm-hmm. and how you've handled it in the past and how and some advice that you could give me to handle it a little okay. bit better. Yeah. So that's what we're gonna talk about. But um before we get started, this episode is brought to you by Money Lab Pro. You've been asking for it, and I finally made it. Money Lab Pro is a membership where you can access every single one of my online business courses and chat with me and other like-minded business owners in the members-only Money Lab Pro community. You'll also get access to my SEO, monetization, and blogging video courses, my YouTube and podcast video tutorials, my lightning-fast WordPress theme, and so much more. I did the math. And Money Lab Pro includes over 155 over-the-shoulder video lessons and growing. Not to mention, it includes access to templates, processes, and spreadsheets that I use to run all my online businesses. And like I mentioned before, Money Lab Pro also includes a members-only community where you can share your ideas and get expert feedback to help you earn more money with your online business. Go to moneylab.co slash pro right now to sign up. It's super affordable, and there's no reason not to check it out. That's moneylab.co slash pro. All right. We're talking about running a sustainable SaaS company, you know, software as a service company, and how you can approach running software without a lot of stress. And we're both launching software this year, which is Cray. And uh, I've launched Lasso. You've launched Palapa.co. Yeah, and the cool thing about this, I guess, is that you and I come from sort of different sides of the coin, right? Mm, Because you're running software from a non-technical perspective, right? Mm. And there are unique challenges to that. And then I'm running software from a I'm writing code perspective as well Mm -hmm. as doing the business stuff. And um, I think maybe that's a little easier, but... 
You mean you mean having the technical no and be, literally doing the work of building the product. I think it's a little easier just because there are fewer unknowns and it's it's um, easier to judge who you're working mm. with and and the kind of product that they're putting out. But you have a business partner for that, right? So yeah. So that yeah. th- that's that's maybe a good strategy for people who are non-technical is to to partner up with a partner who is technical because if right. neither of you have that, it can be kind of rough going. Yeah, and um, when I did Spruce, Jason and I were the two main heads in the marketing side of things, and we both didn't. I mean, like I worked on the original um, um, prototype. Yeah, and I tried to code it myself in sixty days in a language I never <laughs> written in before, and it was a fucking nightmare. And so, like, then yeah, when it became just the two of us, I'm like, why is there two marketing guys and yet only one technical guy? I think it should be kind of flipped. Yeah, and in this case, yeah, Andrew's technical. He owns most of the company. I'm just a small partner and doing the, mostly the marketing side, but I am coding. I'm doing the yeah. front end stuff in the plugin itself. Cool. So uh, I did a little bit, like you know, if I if I, as I'm using the software myself, if I see like a little thing, I'm like, oh, I bet you I can go in and fix that. And I'll go in and like check out the view code and be like, all right, boom, knock that out, push it up to Git, and I'm done. Nice. So I contribute here and there when I can. No, that's great. I mean, yeah. hey, if you're checking code and pushing, right. like you're doing the whole thing. Right. So do you enjoy that part? I actually enjoy that probably more than the marketing side right now. Yeah. Um, I, I, I've been, and I, I think this is where you've been building Palapa for a couple of years. Yeah. No? Yeah. Yep. And, but you were building it for Fizzle. Yeah, that's right. So yeah, yeah, for people who are like, what's, what are these words you're throwing out there? So Fizzle is a, right. a community that we've run for seven years or so, Shit. uh, yeah. which is for entrepreneurs. And we have, about 40 courses, online courses mm-hmm. on marketing and and developing products and so on. And then we also have a community piece. So people come, they sign up, they take courses, and then they hang out in the community to talk about their progress, what they've learned, what they're working on, and to get help from other entrepreneurs. And we had for a long time been running on an old traditional forum system. Yeah. This was way back. There, there are a lot of old forums out there, like Vanilla <laughs> Forum and IP Board and... Yep. All the stuff that's been around for like, you know, 10 or 15 years. And a lot of them are pretty big businesses. You know, they've got several hundred employees and mm-hmm. and a lot of installs. But they haven't evolved a lot over the years. And the way they have evolved has become really complicated in a lot of ways. The IP board software became IPS community and they layered on all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And it just got further and further away from the use case that we wanted. And it also was not keeping up with current technology and trends. It wasn't acting like the software that people are used to using. People right. are used to using Facebook. They're used to using yeah. Slack. They're used to um, the hot contemporary real-time sort of um, you know experiences that you have. And so right. we started looking for a replacement for that. And mm. we evaluated like five or six different pieces of software to the point where we didn't just like look at them. We actually got pilots going with like, we would take a hundred people from the fizzle community and we'd say, we're going to try this software out for the next six weeks. And as we did that, we would monitor the engagement we got. We would collect a bunch of feedback from people and try to feel what it was like to administer it and so on. So we did this with a bunch. And at the end of the day, we didn't find something that was perfect for us. So we started thinking, well, I wonder if we could write something. And as we thought about that, 
we realize it's a dumb idea to write software when your core business is something education. else. Education. Yeah. Education. So if we were going to write the software, we wanted to do it only if it could be its own product eventually. So we kind of started writing it with that in mind. We spent the first year building it for our own internal use for Fizzle. Mm-hmm. Then uh, we got the Fizzle community on it, tested it out, worked out a bunch of the kinks, and then looked towards how do we expand this so that other communities could be on it as well. And you funded that, I imagine, with Fizzle money. Yes. Like yeah. Fizzle paid for the development of Palapa. And then you are the marketing side of it, I think, is where I mean, two years is a long time to build something. And it you is. had a, te- a beta test group with your own people, but you didn't have customers, right? Were you, were you, was this? Did, we started taking customers um, probably about six months ago, maybe nine months ago. Like and those secretly. were just like secret, yeah, invitation only kind of customers. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah. So, uh, so otherwise, you know, two years is like you said, a long time to build something, but we were doing this, um, on the side, on the side and man, running two businesses at once is not yeah. easy. Yeah. It's not, it's like, I've, I feel like I have four. Yeah. And it's not, yeah, it's not great. Um, and you know, as far as the like macro, I'd love to hear your, your thoughts on this, but like the macro environment in my mind is that creating online courses has become incredibly easy. And there are a bunch of platforms out there that allow you to do it. And in -hmm. fact, I was just on the phone with one of the major platforms that's out there today about a partnership. And when we got started in Fizzle, they didn't even exist. And now they have like millions of customers, right? Mm -hmm. And so when we got started, you had to roll your own. You had to like go in and hack WordPress Yep. So that you could host your own course. And now it's gotten easier and easier to the point where you just have to shoot some videos and then boom, you put them up on Teachable or yeah. Thinkific or Podia yep. or whatever. And um, what that means is a lot of people have been talking about online courses. It's really easy to put them up and there is a shit ton of competition out there now. Yeah. So it is really easy to get started. It's probably really easy to make a few thousand bucks or something from it. Mm-hmm. it's getting harder and harder to build a major business around it. And if you have a business that is online education, you're fighting off left and right people that are, you know, new kids on the block with new content. And yeah, it's hard to not only create a course, but then to realize that after a few years, that course is going to be stale and you've got to like reinvigorate Refresh it, it, come up yeah. with new stuff. Yeah. So um, that's kind of the macro environment. And we've been fighting that fight at Fizzle. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, we've made millions of dollars from the Fizzle business over the years. And mm-hmm. it's been tremendous. But at the same time, I kind of recognized this trend a few years ago and um, just started thinking about like, what else could we get into that has greater barriers to entry? And software still has more barriers to entry because um, it takes yeah, a long everyone. time to learn yeah. how to code effectively. Yeah. And you happen to have that background. And I happen to have that background. And it was always kind of sitting there unused. And it just feels mm-hmm. like a silly thing to let go unused. I mean, that's the same with Andrew. He had, you know, that's what he grew up doing. And, and then he started Listen Money Matters. And he was podcasting and writing blog posts, which is definitely not something he's good at. Yeah. I mean, he'll admit that. I'm not saying he's not good at that. He has become very good at both of those things. But I think it was not his his foray. And if he if he had his own way, he'd be like, I just want to sit behind a computer and fucking code all day. That's all I want to do. And I've been trying to help him get to that level. I'm like, yes, that's all you should do. Yeah. Like, let's let's utilize that. Yeah. Because yeah, I do and, believe that that's the future. Yeah. And and what I love about, like, Andrew, or, you know, and, and my similar sort of story, coming from software and then getting into business over mm-hmm. time, 
and then being a solo entrepreneur Mm -hmm. is it really opens up your eyes as a software developer to uh, what it takes to make a business succeed. And that's the thing that most just straight coders lack. They build something and then they're like, oh shit, what do I do now? Right. Yeah. Right. And that's where a mutual friend of ours, Justin Jackson, mm-hmm. um, wrote, uh, I think it was a book originally about marketing for software developers. Right. Because it was just a need out there. People are like, uh, how do I get people to care about this software? Yeah. Which has been the, the more, uh, this has been the harder part of Lasso, even with like any, and Spruce and anything else that I've done in the past. The only thing that has been really easy for me has been earnest which was what Lasso was before. And I just was like, hey, this is a plugin. This is something that I had built for myself. And then people just asked me, how are you getting these boxes on your website? Yeah. And I was like, I built my own code. I wrote my, I mean, I wrote the original software for it, um, which is how I learned API integrations and shit. And then I hired a developer and I teamed up with another developer and we, we launched Ernest and that sold well, but only through Money Lab. And then once we tapped out the Money Lab audience, it was like, okay, that was it. And we just had this like core group of customers and I was totally fine with it. And then Andrew came along and was like, I'm working on this thing. It's a little bit better. You know, do you want to join and roll Ernest into that? And I was like, yes. And so here we are. But again, Money Lab audience is tapped. And so we're like, now what? You know, Money Lab audience is like, dude, we get it. Like we've yeah. heard about the plugin. We have it. Yeah. Or we have it or like, yeah, it's not for us or that's too expensive or what, you know, it's like, oh, it's it's not ready yet. Like, or you, or you haven't talked enough about it because maybe you're afraid to talk about it because it's Mm. not, you don't feel like it's ready yet. Yeah. You know, for the, for prime time. So yeah, that's sort of like, I, I, you know, and, and, and Andrew was, had been building Lasso for a year and I came in like, no, let's launch it in, in a month. Like you stop building it. You're building too much. Did you have, I mean, like, do you know, you know what I'm talking about? I know what you're talking about. And the the thing is like, you know, because at Fizzle, we have dealt with entrepreneurs forever and we've, we've always talked to people about the fact that you need to build something as quickly as possible so that you can get it in the hands of customers so that you can get feedback and find out if this is even something that they want, because there's nothing that sucks more than spending years on something and then releasing it and finding out that nobody cares about it or that you, you built it in the wrong way and all that time went wasted. So that's the theory behind the minimum viable product. However, Mm -hmm. it's easy to talk about that with an online course or with like an ebook or something like that, because you can put out a version in several weeks. Software is tough because there's this balance between putting something out early and getting feedback versus putting something out that's half-baked and doesn't get the feedback that you need because there's clearly things that are broken. And that's all anybody can see. They can't see through that to the value of the product. Right. Right. So, um, you know, it's cool when you hear about a software company that was built over a weekend in a hackathon yep. or whatever. Yeah. But even after that happens, there's generally this long period of a year or more where they're shoring things up and, and, you know, before they really start to get traction from it. Yeah. So, um, I'm not saying that things should take, you know, two years like they did in our case. And, and yeah. I recognize that's kind of ridiculous, but at the same time we were scratching our own itch and serving an existing business. So mm, I think right. every, every and same too with, with Lasso, like we're, we're doing, we're building it for ourselves first. That's true. That's true. Right. And, but as you go through this process and if you've done it a couple of times, what you recognize is that you really have to focus on the narrowest set of useful features and build those well 
so that mm-hmm. they they function and they work. But you can't go out there, and, you know, because when you when you brainstorm software, you can say, oh my God, it's going to do this and that. And yeah, I can, can see, do everything. You can see 10 years into the future. Sure. So you have to figure out like, okay, what's the critical thing that is going to prove the value to people that we can work on and hopefully build in like three or six or nine months or something like that that's reasonable right. so that we can get it out and then start getting real feedback. Yeah, and that's, I feel like we, you know, and, and uh, you know, Andrew's not here to defend himself, but if I'm pretty sure that we had a lot. I mean, he was building a lot of features all at the same time. And then I came in, when I came on board, I'm like, it, we need to get this, just the plugin part out. Cause that was really just, that's like one piece of a three part system. And so I'm like, if we get this out and we get people starting to use it and starting to give us feedback, then we can expand into these other pieces like way later. Yeah. Um, let's start to get customers. And the biggest problem that I've had, I think with the software personally, is the positioning of it has really been kind of tough. And uh, the more I listen to other other people talk about it, the more I'm like, okay, maybe it just takes time. Like I, I had a conversation with Brennan, Brennan Dunn yesterday. Who's, he was talking who's about, brilliant with software yeah, stuff. Yeah, right. And that's, again, he's another, you know, programming background. And he was talking about right message and how it took me a year and a half to figure out the positioning of that. And I was like, oh shit, okay, that's, I don't feel as bad. Like I'm two months in and I'm like, well, I don't know what the fuck this is for. Yeah. You know who, who this is for. Uh, I just know it's for me and I know it's for Andrew and and people who do affiliate marketing. And even when I talked to you the first time, you were like, have you heard of this company called Wealthy Affiliate? I'm like, no, <laughs> fuck. That's probably our like core audience and I don't even know they exist. Yeah. And it's because I don't run in those circles. So yeah, how do you, how are you taking, like, wh- like wh- how are you marketing Palapa? Like you've, you've got it up and running, it's working. It's now currently for sale, right? Yes. What's what? What was your like? And 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 is there anybody else helping you on the marketing side of things, or is it really just you? Yeah. So it is really just me. So okay. Um, I have a half to three quarter time software developer overseas, mm-hmm. and other than that, it's me doing the okay. marketing and and the rest of the coding. So. Um, it's a challenge because I've got these like endless to-do lists of things that I want to be fixed in the software, but then in the same, you know, so GitHub has these projects, right? And so yep. a project is like a, a standard Kanban board, like you'd see in Trello or yeah. something. Wait, so, GitHub has that or GitLab? GitHub has that as well. Really? Yeah. It's okay, just called a project and, and you can create a project in a couple of different ways, but you know, I've got these columns laid out with, with the items that we need to do and there's bugs and there's features and there's like a long-term roadmap in there. But then in addition to that, there are the marketing things like mm-hmm. putting up a demo video and like building mm-hmm. out the FAQ and all that stuff. that's like broad marketing. And yep. then there's another column for sales and integrations. And those yeah. are like one-on-one conversations that I have to have with people about either Here's how this could work for your community. Or uh, in in some cases, we're building integrations with other software that um, where, so for example, let's say we talked about online courses earlier. Mm-hmm. So there are all these online courses platforms out there, and those platforms usually lack decent community features. They have some chat or something in there, but they don't have like real full featured community stuff. There's also a lot of WordPress membership plugins and things out there, and they Mm -hmm. don't have community either. So we're approaching them and saying, Palapa would be ideal for your customers who want to build a community. If we build an integration, then they could simply um, click a couple of buttons and their customers from within your platform could be 
automatically logged into a Palapa community and they would not have to log in again or create an account. So it's right. just removing all that friction. So you asked, um, where are our customers going to come from? Yeah. Well, so or how far, are you thinking about getting, finding them or getting them? Right, exactly. So, so far, uh, obviously we have our own audience. I've been blogging for like 10 years. Uh, right. I have a, an email list. We have a podcast and we have a lot of customers from Fizzle. So we're tapping into that. And a lot of our initial customers are coming from that. Just the goodwill mm-hmm. that we built over the years. Mm-hmm. We've served entrepreneurs and a lot of them need community. So they're, they're signing up. Yep. After that, I've decided to go after those kinds of people in different places. And by those kinds of people, I mean coaches, online course builders, um, and membership site developers, those, those sites, of those sorts of people. I know, I know that in the back of my mind, like Palapa could be good eventually for corporate communities and enterprise and stuff like that. But I'm not worried about that at all right now because I don't know those people very well. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm not tapped into them. And you also just kind of have to focus your efforts. So my thought is, you know, I'm tapping into my own audience. Then I'm reaching out to these other communities, uh, these other, um, pieces of software that have customers who could use Palapa and trying to explain to them how this could be a win-win to work together. Um, and those are going pretty well. I don't know, like, you know, this is going to be a long process. It's, mm-hmm. it's different. Like when you launch an online course, a lot of times you can tap into an existing audience and people can just boom, go pay for the thing, sign up, start using it. And they're done yep. yeah. with software. A lot of times there's a longer sales process um, for Lasso to some degree, but especially for us, because for someone to move their community or start a new community on our platform, right. yeah, yeah, it's yeah. this whole long, you know, process of, well, do I want a community? And if so, which software should I use? And I commit, how should I commit? How, how should I roll this thing out? And so sure. on. like right. you and I talked about whether or not community was right for you. And it's, yeah. it's a big commitment to run a community. So, um, I just recognize that even though we launched like three weeks ago or something, (laughs) it it may be um, six months before I have a good idea of what kind of traction that we're getting. What are you doing to sort of continue? Because you are, I feel like you are the, you are king advocate of lifestyle business. Mm. I I think you, you value that probably more than anybody I know. I I do value that. I, I do. Um, I also value, I also value, uh, money and security and all that kind of stuff as well. And sure. and I recognize that it's a balance. Uh, I'm not one to err on complete freedom so that I can live on a beach every day, although I do live on a beach <laughs> right. for a good portion of the year. Um, but I also want to make sure that I, I keep my career and my businesses in a very healthy, stable place. And sometimes that mm-hmm. requires a little bit of sacrifice. Um, but you know, I, I do value my freedom. I'm definitely not going to give up the ability to live in multiple places. Mm-hmm. I don't intend to run a company where I have a bunch of people locally that I have to go into an office and, and, of course. and tend to and, and, and care and feed and all that kind of stuff. So my plan is to build a remote company. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't believe that has to hold you back anymore. I think that if you look at, um, our friend, uh, Nathan Berry, for example, who runs yeah. ConvertKit. ConvertKit has done very well. They have about 50 employees. Um, the chief operating officer over there now is Barrett Brooks, who used to work for me on the Fizzle team. Yep. So I have a lot of insight into what they do. And um, they're a distributed team that works all over the place. Another example of that is Buffer, which is a social media management tool. Another yeah, I think example- the, C- the CEO lives in uh, Boulder. Oh, awesome. I think, he just, I think he just moved here, yeah. Joel? 
Yeah. Is it? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, so uh, Buffer Automatic, the company behind WordPress, is also right. distributed, and there are hundreds of employees. Basecamp. Basecamp. So I'm not saying that I necessarily want to build a business that's hundreds of employees. Right. Um, I'm going to let this business kind of tell me where it wants to go. But if it, you know, if it grows quickly and and I recognize that sacrificing for, you know, five or 10 years could lead to like security for the rest of your life, I'm, I'm not mm -hmm. averse to that. Um, but I'm also going to build things in a remote and um, sort of uh, allowing people to be autonomous and to live where they want and all that. And I, I think that actually that's a major benefit to people. And I, I want, you know, not right. just me to experience that, but anyone in the company to experience that freedom as well. But you have to, as one person, even though you're, yeah, you can be remote and you have one other person helping you uh, with the, you're doing both the coding side and the marketing side. Mm -hmm. I, to me, that already sounds like the most stressful position to be in. Because at least for me, I only really have to worry about like, oh, people need to know about this thing, which is stressful. And then Andrew's on the other side, like my hair is turning gray. I'm, I'm trying to get this shit out so that people can use it. And cause Matt's kind of breathing down my neck to get this thing off the ground. Yeah. And so like, how do you balance the two and where do you put the, like the 70% of your time going to development and then the other 30% in marketing? Are you taking things incredibly slow on purpose? And, and I mean, like not to say that you did the two years of coding, let's assume that's done, but like going forward, are you going to start, are you going to market uh, at a slower pace because you still have another company to run? Well, just by nature of how much time I have to spend on it. Sure. Of course, yeah, you know, if right. I was dedicated, if I had, if I, if I could imagine an ideal team where I mm -hmm. had one person dedicated to marketing, one person dedicated to sales, and then like three developers, you know, yeah. that would probably be ideal right now. Then, well, wait, wait, wait. So, but before you, on, you said you, you, you separated sales and marketing. Yeah. in that scenario. What what do you what do you think sales and marketing needs to be separated for? Okay, so marketing in my mind is doing things like appearing on podcasts, um content marketing. You know, one strategy that works really well for businesses like the, like us is to write a bunch of articles about alternatives to and yeah, then right. name every one of your competitors, right? That yeah. works really well. Yeah. Uh so writing those articles, that would be marketing, content marketing, mm. um doing anything that is broadly getting the word out for customers who will be uh, self-service for the most part, okay? Yeah. Sales is maintaining a list of people that you want to sign up for the thing in a, in a CRM, a customer relationship management sort of system, and then setting up meetings with those people, demoing it to them. In some cases, because uh, we have larger potential communities, we have to write proposals for those people to say, this is how we'll help you with the installation. This is the pricing that we'll guarantee for X months or whatever, and submit a proposal to them. So that's a um, more hand-holding approach to getting people to sign up. And that requires face-to-face -face, you know, selling versus marketing is more broadly based, I'd say. And how are you currently thinking about that? Because it's right now, it's just you. Are are you thinking of that's a 50-50 split or it's going to be more leaning one way? I'd say um, if I had to imagine my day, and this, this, this is the sucky part about bootstrapping, right? Mm -hmm. The cool thing is that I have a whole sup separate business that is paying me right now, my right. salary. So I'm not doing this. Um, you know, and, and, uh, not earning a living, which is great because I've done that before, you know, the whole startup thing where you quit mm -hmm. your job and 
I'm going to build some software. And then two <laughs> years goes by and you're like, Jesus, it would have been nice to have a paycheck Yeah, as you're watching your savings dwindle. But course, um, yeah. in this case, you know, I've got a paycheck coming in. However, it means that I have to tend to that business. So mm-hmm. already the pie has a slice taken out of it for sure. managing my existing business. Then the rest of my day or the rest of my week, which is, you know, probably two thirds or something on average, mm-hmm. I would probably split down the middle. I'd spend half of that time on development. The other half would be on marketing or sales, whichever one has the opportunities at the time. And basically like if there are, um, hot potential clients out there that I could be talking to directly and handholding and just trying to get them in the door, then I'll do that work. Um, if all of those are like on the back burner right now and I'm waiting for answers or whatever, then I'll turn back and do the, the broad based marketing stuff. And what do you, your, what are your plans for the marketing side of things? Like, I mean, obviously you have, I don't, I'm assuming you're not really, again, this is me assuming you're not really doing a lot of work there because you still have the physical community that you're actively marketing to. Yeah, exactly. So, um, my plan right now is not to do a lot of content marketing directly for Palapa on like a separate blog. I'm not planning to start that right now. Um, I will probably start writing some articles, but our um, platform is a little bit different in that I could use our platform for marketing in a way because um, Palapa is set up to be private communities, but we're working on a version of it that would be public so that I can write articles in a Palapa community for Palapa. This is like super meta, right? Wow. Yeah, yeah. But write articles in there about how to use Palapa and so on that would get picked up by the search engines. Mm-hmm. Um, and then allow people who are other owners of Palapa communities to participate in that community. Oh, that's sweet. So it's like a Palapa for Palapa, right? It's a community right. for those people. So that um, is likely my longer term marketing strategy for it is writing okay. articles in there and posting announcements and all that kind of stuff that are SEO compatible. Right. So that's what you're thinking about marketing sales. You're just kind of doing when the opportunities sort of hit. Yep. And right. in some cases I'm I'm uh, I'm doing proactive outreach to either people who run communities that I think would be a good fit or like I said um other pieces of software other SaaS companies that we might be able to integrate with. And and that I consider mm. part of sales as well. That's like uh, that would mm. be partnerships I guess, but I I'm yeah. just right now lumping sales and partnerships in one bucket and then marketing into a separate one. Okay. Uh what about the 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 50% development side, how are you deciding what comes? I mean, obviously bugs are priority, right? Yeah. And then after that, how are you deciding what features to add and when it's tough, right? Um, okay. So there's always this thing with features where, um, you have to make kind of, uh, an 80, 20 judgment on them, the, the Pareto principle and, and kind of ask yourself, is this a three hour feature that people would love and it would make a big difference? Or is this like a three week feature that nobody might even use? Right. And obviously there's everything in between there, but we've, we've all had those. If, if we've built software before, we've all had these like grandiose ideas about this one feature to save them all. And you embark on it for like a month or two. And then it turns out that like, what the hell were we doing? Yeah, no one could, yeah. It was a waste. So you want to avoid those. Um, you also want to really try to focus on, there are certain things that are just kind of low hanging fruit that won't take a lot of developer time and that will have a decent impact. So there's that kind of priority, but then there's also the kind of customer that you want and the things that you believe um, will 
help make a breakthrough in terms of being able to sell this thing. And generally, those come from conversations with people. The thing that I love about sales versus marketing, marketing to me is like a... Um, almost like a broadcast medium. It's me just like putting stuff out there in the world, but I don't necessarily hear back from people. With sales, a lot of it involves having uh, demos and meetings and things like that. And that's where you get this like direct customer feedback all the time. And also the customers, the existing customers that you have, you hear from them all the time. Mm -hmm. And so their feedback will also help determine what features we build. But you just have to have a really good filter to know um, is this something that they're just like asking for that isn't really going to make a difference to them or they're not really going to use, or they just like the idea of being able to talk to the CEO and ask that person, you know, to build this yep. thing for them. Mm -hmm. So you really have to filter those things. And I'm also trying not to keep a crazy long, uh, list of potential features because, um, you know, I listen a lot to, uh, the folks over at Basecamp, Jason Freed, especially, and uh, DHH. And mm -hmm. their philosophy has long been that if a feature is important enough, it's going to come up multiple times. And yeah. it'll just be on your mind when you sit down and say, what are we going to work on for the next sprint? You know, whether that be a week or, or four weeks or six weeks or however your, your development process is set up. Um, when you sit down to do that, you're going to have this list of things on the back of your mind, no matter what. And if it's important enough, it's probably just going to be there either in your mind or in somebody else's mind on your team. And by writing all of them down and making this list of hundreds of things that you could do, it just gets demoralizing after a while to see this list, not making progress. Right. And, and one of the the similar scenarios that we're both in is that how do you balance that between what the customer wants and then what you need as a user of the software. Because the what the way that Andrew puts it towards me, or the way he puts it to me is like, we are customers number one and two. Yeah. So whatever we ask for, we get before everyone else. And while I like that personally, yeah. uh, it's like, well, that that sounds like a it sounds great, but also are we doing stuff for ourselves that maybe a majority of our customers like actually would never use. I think it depends. I mean, you have to ask yourself if you are a solid template for a deep well of potential customers. If mm. you think that there are thousands of Matt Giovannisi's out yeah. there um, that have very similar use cases, then that's great. And yeah, and lot, I do believe that. Yeah. You do believe that. Yeah. Not, uh, yeah, not, well, not as not as handsome, probably, but no, no, no. Definitely not as handsome. And it's like, yes, there are others of of who do what I do, which is affiliate marketing. Yes. You know, they may not do it the same way that I do it. They may not care about the things that I care about because I do take my site as an affiliate marketing site more like an e-commerce business where we have an inventory, we have products that we like to sell. And that we recommend and we put them out on our on our posts. Yeah. And nothing else. And if it's not just because, oh, we mentioned scotch tape on an article, we better fucking link to scotch tape. It's yeah. like, well, I don't know. We don't necessarily need to do that because we're not a scotch tape company. Uh, we're a pool company. And so we recommend pool products. And I don't think that everyone thinks that way, but there's certainly a philosophy behind that type of affiliate marketer. And I think we could tap into that somehow, some way. It just may not happen right away because we may not know those people. Well, and and look, so many people try to build a product that they don't have a use for themselves. 
And that's just a terrible way to get started to like have to imagine what people need and then really rely on the feedback that you get because it's all it, you have no idea, like no idea. Right. right? So you're starting in a, a great place to begin with, which is you have a solid need for this. It is going to impact your business's bottom line. Mm -hmm. And so if all you do is follow your needs and not just yours, but but Andrew as well. Sure. So yeah. you have two of you. That's mm -hmm. amazing. If you just build it for you guys, you'll get a long way, I would imagine. Now, the cool thing about starting to listen to variants on your use case to other customers who have slightly different needs is not only could you make the product itself appeal to a little bit different audience and maybe maybe there are certain things that will open you up to a, a sure. you know a bunch more people, but also you might be able to improve your other business based on the things that you learn from the way people are doing affiliate marketing. And that's, sure. that's like yeah. a cool side benefit as well. And, and I fully embrace that with, with um, running a community platform because we've run communities for a long time, but we just do it in our way. And it's not like we're out there doing a lot of research on like how other people are running communities. But as part of this process, I'm learning from all kinds of people how they run their communities. And when they ask for features you have to kind of put yourself in their shoes and understand, okay, you want this feature, but like, what is that going to do for your bottom line or for your business, for the engagement in your community? And if it's working for you, could that work for us? And then can right. I use that to educate my other customers and share yeah. with them the best practices? Yeah. And, and with you, I think you're, you have, because even when I talked to Brennan yesterday, it was the same thing that I heard and I'm hearing it from you and I'm starting to like, I have, I know that this is the answer in a way, but it's such a time-consuming thought, which is you have to talk to customers and maybe, or, or potential customers. And I'm just like, I don't, you know, when I look at people, specifically like my dad, who uh, is a kitchen designer and a salesperson. And so he might spend, and, and my friends who do real estate, they might spend weeks and months with you and then you, and then nothing comes from it. Mm -hmm. And to me, that feels like such a waste, like such a waste of time where it's like every time I jump on Skype with somebody, we're either recording a podcast or, or, or having a discussion about, you know, the potential future of a business or whatever. Uh, very rarely do I get on a, a call where it's not, I don't get some sort of value out of it, but like real estate agents get do this all the time. And I'm like, I, I don't think I could ever run a business like that. But everybody I talk to is like, no, you have to talk to customers. You have to do one-on-one -on -one sales in the beginning just so that you understand who you're talking to and you will get a lot clearer on your positioning when it comes to writing your sales pages and all that. I just, you know, in, in talking about being, creating a sustainable long-term company, like <laughs> at what point do you say, or I guess, like, do you just uh, accept the fact that that's what you're going to have to do in the beginning and then eventually get out of that? Or, I mean, I don't know what to expect there. Well, I mean, eventually, you know, if this, depending on how this goes, either you've learned the most of what you can learn from customers and you mm -hmm. will get to that point eventually, or uh, you hire salespeople to do the actual sales part of it. So there's, you know, there's two reasons that you're talking to customers. One is to close some deals. Yeah. And the other is to learn why your software isn't as attractive as you want it to be to potential yeah. customers. And um, 
I don't think it has to be like a real estate scenario where you're like showing around a potential buyer for three months before they find a property. That's true. Or right. three years. In this case, it's just, you know, uh, several hour long calls. And mm-hmm. most of your customers are like so busy that they're not going to want to hang out with you on Skype every day. Yeah, right. So, uh, you know, like the, over the past month, I opened my calendar up and literally just posted it in emails to all of our potential customers. And and when I was announcing that this thing's open and I just said, if you are thinking about starting a community or have one, I would love to talk to you and help to help you strategize how to roll this out. And so I got bookings from strangers all the past Mm. month. And, um, a lot of them were great. And some of them were complete waste of time, frankly, because, sure, um, sure. there were people that just, you know, were not going to be customers and didn't have anything useful to share with me. But through that process, uh, I've learned a lot about the, especially about the sign up process, because there's this hurdle between somebody off the street who doesn't know about your product and somebody who's using and loving your product. And that hurdle is, awareness, obviously, but then the install process and getting up and running and making that as smooth as possible so that they don't get stuck somewhere and throw up their hands and say, well, screw this. Fuck this. Yeah. So I've learned a ton in that process. And partly that's because I have been, uh, for some customers walking them through step-by-step the, the process. And sometimes that has meant dozens of emails back and forth, but really, but you turn those dozens of emails back and forth into articles that go on your FAQ to little notes that pop up when somebody signs up during the onboarding process and all that kind of stuff. Are you using intercom for that? Yeah. Intercom for onboarding. Um, yeah. So Matt, you need to be talking to customers. (laughs) I tried. And I well, what I did was I I put it out there on on Money Lab. I sent an email out, one email, uh, and just said, "Hey, if anyone's thinking about this or whatever, I know you know what. Maybe I didn't do that. That sounds stupid. I didn't do that. You know what I did? We had a list of about three hundred uh, signups before we launched Lasso. Yep. And maybe ten or fifteen of those people signed up. Um, and I think I just emailed those people and said, like, "Hey, I I'm I just want to talk to you about. It was like existing customers." And I didn't, I think I got one per, I got one or two people We jumped on a call with them. And what I, <laughs> it was funny cause they, they were great, but waste of time. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I meant they were using the software and completely understood it. Mm-hmm. They were just like, yup, got it. This is fucking awesome. You guys did a great job. Perfect. Thank you. And I'm like, oh, cool. We, we nailed it. Great. Let's move on. Totally. Uh, and I, I had two of those calls and I'm like, oh, okay, <laughs> like, you know, not that I, not that I sat there and said out loud, like, okay, we nailed it. Let's, let's move on. But I didn't, I have not reached out to people who are not customers. How much does your software cost? 49 a month. 49 a month. Okay. So here's another way to think about it. Um, mm-hmm. and I know it's like 49 bucks a month. It's like, it's not worth sitting down and spending hours getting somebody to sign up. However, yeah. um, you will figure out what your customer lifetime value is eventually. Yeah. And my guess is it's going to be pretty high. Like once mm-hmm. someone signs up and gets this thing working on their site, if it's literally helping them make money, then yeah. they're going to leave it alone for years potentially. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you have to figure out what that is, but it's likely that your customer lifetime value could be a thousand dollars or more. Yeah, that's that's true. And so each of those sales calls is potentially a thousand dollar deal. And like, that's mm-hmm. a pretty good use of a half hour to me. Yeah. Especially in the beginning when you're trying to get traction, because not only 
could that customer lead to a thousand bucks, but that customer could tell other people who then end up signing up for your software as well. When you, when you sent that email out with your open calendar, where, where was that? Was that just to people who had signed up for, to hear about Palapa or did you send that out to the entire fizzle audience? Um, I think I sent that out just to people who had signed up to find out about Palapa. Okay. Um, although I mentioned it on, I think what I also did was I said that if you sign up, you'll get an email from me with options for getting direct support, including my calendar link. And so anyone who signed up during the first month also got Mm. an email with that. So, Mm. um, you know, because that, that, that's a critical process again, getting someone from signing up to actually using the thing. And so I just wanted to make sure that I understood what those hurdles were. And you literally walked them through installing it and getting it up and running. I, I would, I mean, I would start the meeting with like helping them with whatever they wanted, but I would try to understand their situation. What's their use case? Do they already have a community? Are they planning to build one? And if, mm. if they didn't have one already, then, and they, and they didn't have an audience already, then it wasn't the best use of my time. But th- in that case, I would just educate them on, you know, why a community is useful and so on. And yeah. just, you know, because they could be, they could turn them into a potential customer. Exactly. Even or, if they weren't there. Okay. And it's good for me to just practice that you know, that pitch anyway. But if, if they, um, you know, had a community on another platform, then we would, I would give them a demo of what it looked like inside of Palapa, the version that we use for fizzle, because, Mm -hmm. uh, it's a great community, let them know what it could look like in the future and then help them plan out like what the strategy would be for migrating over. All right. That's a, that's a good idea. I think I need to do that. But the whole time, you know, you're not just thinking about trying to close the deal. You're thinking about, um, How does this listening to the words that people use, the way they describe their problems, right. and trying to decipher um, how you could make either your marketing or your sign up process or your onboarding or the product itself serve their needs better? Did you record those calls? No. Hmm. So you just but took notes. I just take notes. Yep. Okay. And I think you'll find that there's just, you know, there's a few recurring themes that come up, a few, um, bright ideas that you jot down and then those stick with you. Yeah. I think one of our biggest problems is we were, you know, we were trying to retrofit this software into other people, into people we liked, you know, like I, I, I think we reached out to our friends who are not affiliate marketers. Like we don't really hang out with affiliate marketers. We, we hang out with people who sell their own products. And, you know, I think Andrew and I are very different and in that space, and then we we reach out to them going like, hey, you're putting you're leaving money on the table. Like, yeah, you might have a, a digital product here and there, but why not make some money with affiliate marketing instead of going out towards affiliate marketers who could who would see Lasso and immediately understand what it does for them because they're they're actively in that business. And the more I the more I talked, I did get on a few phone calls with like friends and walked them through and showed them Lasso. And every time I show it to them, they're like, mind blown. Yes, that I want that. The, but then there's that, the hurdle that I keep running into is, well, and this is probably something similar to what you're running into, which is, okay, yes, I see its inherent value. Hoof, but getting it, like actually pulling the trigger to get it like up and running, mm-hmm. well, I got a million other things to do and that's low priority for me. Yeah. And it's like, how do you get them to be like, well, I'll do it for you. It's like, you know, and that's what the whole, I know uh, ConvertKit specifically has like a white glove service for a lot of bigger customers. And 
we thought about doing that, but it's like, well, that doesn't sound like a very sustainable model going forward unless we hire out for it. Which I guess, when now that I say that out loud, yeah, fine. You got to do it yourself first and then hire out later. I mean, in my mind right now, you shouldn't be debating what's worth it long-term or not. All you want is to get to a thousand customers, like period. Like that's your mm. entire fucking reason for existence right now. Right. And if that means that you're selling them one-on-one and mm. and it sucks, like <laughs> I, I think you just got to do really? it. Really? Yeah. yeah. So it's not about thinking about it sustainably in the beginning. I think you, you know, Paul Graham runs Y Combinator and like mm-hmm. all kinds of interesting things have come out of that accelerator program. But uh, Paul has a bunch of sayings that just you could write down like his top 10 and it would be basically a guidebook for how to build a business. One of the things that he says that is like their mantra is make something people want, right? That's the whole th- reason for being in business. But mm-hmm. another thing that he says frequently um, is do things that don't scale in the beginning. Mm. Don't worry about whether or not like you can, you know, scale this up to doing it for thousands of people or how many people you'd have to hire to do this or whatever. Um, I think in the beginning, you just need customers. You need people using this platform and every customer that you get makes it easier for you to improve processes, hire people to do things and so on. Cause you, you know, there's this critical period. It's like, is this going to be something that just brings in like a few thousand bucks and it's like a giant pain in the ass for you to manage? Or are you going to get over that hurdle where you're making tens of thousands and then you can start bringing people on who are smarter and better than you at doing certain things or they free you up to be doing the things that you're most valuable mm-hmm. doing, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you um, could get a lot of mileage out of like just, you know, writing articles and being on other people's podcasts and things like that. Um, and you know, there's higher level things that you can do based on who you are and your personality and your skills and stuff like that. So sure, maybe, uh, signing people up and walking them through white glove style, the process of signing up isn't worth it in the long run, but if it helps get you to a place where you can hire people and so on, like that's what you got to do. Interesting. I just think like the idea of doing that at, while at the same time running a currently successful business it that that it's a tough kind of road to to, to walk down right because it's like yeah ooh, i could be spending my time over here and like i can make one move a snap my fingers and and i could be making like a thousand more dollars a month or ten thousand more dollars a month true that's true now now that's it that's a different discussion and is it I, yeah, what, yeah. I, what I hear is that you're not yet sure that your future is lasso, right? And that that's that's a legitimate conversation that you have to have with yourself. Mm-hmm. For me personally, there's a couple of things going on. One, in software, I know of countless examples of people that um, or businesses that have been worth billions of dollars with a B, right? In creating online courses, how many businesses do you know that have been worth multi-millions of dollars even? Masterclass? Right. Masterclass. Maybe. Maybe, maybe. Skillshare. Maybe Skillshare. Tree, Treehouse. There's yep. there's a few examples, but you could probably count them on two hands. Linda. Right? Yeah. Now, but are you building Linda? No. And that's so big. They're like not just a, they're a course platform. Right. Right. And exactly. not just a specific. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, 
in my case, and, and this is the, you know, conversation you have to have with yourself, but like yeah. Slack just went public for like $50 billion or something. Mm-hmm. And, and they're a communications tool. Like, it used to be all a gaming of, platform. And it used to be a gaming platform. They, they, they pivoted hard. Yeah. So there are, there are all kinds of examples of, um, unicorns. There are also all kinds of examples of, we, we started talking before about like where we started with our community. We were on some mediocre forum platform. That's yeah. a multi-million dollar business. And it's like, mm. it's kind of a, a POS, you know? Yeah, right, right. And, and so, um, I have convinced myself that it is likely my future, but even if it's not, I'm going to give it like a solid year kick in the ass mm. to, to evaluate whether or not I can get to the traction that I need to get to. And so, um, I'm just, I'm just not asking myself those questions about, is this worth it? Is this time worth it? And so on. I'm okay. just doing it. And then I, at the end, I'm going to look back and say, is What's this thing, it? is this thing worth it? And is this really my future? And you've started that already. Oh yeah. And when's, when, I mean, are you really giving yourself a year or you're just saying like, eh, about a year, you know, you're not saying like, I don't on have something October, on October. I don't right. have something on my calendar, but you know, I should, I should put something on my calendar. I should put something on there for six months after, mm-hmm. after our launch date, six months and then 12 months and, um, really look back and, and maybe set some, some, some goals. Now, uh, we talked before about ConvertKit and Nathan mm-hmm. Barry, and and mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember, but Nathan started a lot like you start projects on Money Lab, which is he kind of threw down the gauntlet publicly yeah. and said, I'm going to try to build a software business that gets to, I believe he said, $5,000 a month within six months of starting. Mm-hmm. And he 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 got a, you know, a jump on it, but he blew past that six-month mark. And I think I think he might've been working on it. I'll have to go back and look, but I think he might've been working on it for like 18, 24, maybe even more months before he figured out what he needed to be doing to really get traction. And so, yeah, we're interesting. And so, uh, you know, and same thing with, with Justin Jackson. Um, mm-hmm. I don't, these companies ConvertKit and, and, um, transistor, which is the mm-hmm. podcast platform that Justin runs. They both have public revenue stats, which is really cool. You can just mm-hmm. type in, you know, ConvertKit revenue or or transistor revenue, and you'll you'll end up on uh, Bear Metrics, which is a, a tool that tracks revenue inside of Stripe, and mm-hmm. you can chart their progress from day one. And with um, Justin, you can see that for like six to nine months, he was like at like a thousand bucks a month or something, yeah. or two thousand bucks a month, and just slogging it through. And I remember last year towards the end of the year having a conversation with justin where he was just losing his shit he was like i don't know if this is gonna work this is like it's gonna take so long like i gotta figure out what i'm gonna do between now and like three years from now and then suddenly like boom 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 some stuff happened and now i think they're up over twenty thousand a month in revenue and, and growing from there and when you start to get to that point then you start to get some some traction some stability and the thing will start growing to a point where you don't have time to be doing this handholding to get people on anymore because you're dealing with customer support tickets and so on. And yeah. that's where you can just kind of let the business speak to you about where you should be spending your time. Right. And until and you, where you that should point, hire too, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he uh he's been on the show a few times. One I think specifically talking about the growth of Transistor and said that 30% of his revenue came from affiliate marketing. And then I heard, uh, I heard on your show, he said that one of the biggest turning points for him was being on Money Lab, being on this show. He did, 
That's yeah, awesome. And he, yeah, and well, not that this show brought him stuff, but one of our audience members owned a really big podcasting site and reached out to him to be an to be an affiliate. Which I don't know if he had one had the program set up at the time, but he started the program, got this guy on board, and then sales started rolling in from that. And I was Heck like, yeah. man, he gets that, and I, I mean, it's my show. Can I get uh, some affiliate people to promote Lasso? Uh, anyone out there? But yeah, no, it's 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 like that is after what a year I think he was working on it. Yeah, you know, and it's like oh something just hit. But if you keep at it long enough, it sounds like it it eventually pays off. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and and it's it's just it's just fun to look back and see like that you can actually look at people's revenue and see when those inflection points happened, and and just imagine that they gave up. You know, they could have yeah. like right before that. And I think, uh, you know, when you look at that idea of getting to 5,000 or even getting to what Justin has been trying to do, uh, we, you know, we publicly announced that we were going to get to 15,000 a month in six months with Lasso. Mm -hmm. And uh, we are at 1,500 a month with Lasso, but definitely not at 15,000. And the three ideas that we had in the beginning to like really push uh, did not work. And we didn't, one, we didn't even try Two, we're currently trying and not re and really getting. It's very slow, which is uh, one of them is getting on a bunch of podcasts. And that has been just really slow. A lot of podcasters do not take their podcast very seriously. And it's right. kind of like an afterthought. And so like getting booked is many months out or they have to go back and forth with people. And then I don't know if that's actually going to pay off or not. Well, and then the other it, the other thing was the sales page. Yeah, the the podcasting, you know, a lot of times the devil's in the details on like how you actually execute your strategy because it could, it could be a really sound idea. It just might be harder to actually pull off than you thought. But yeah, like I've got this book here, um, that Scott H young just sent me. Are you familiar oh, yeah. with him? Yeah. Yeah. He's great. been on uh list of money matters before. Sweet. Great guy. Um, he's got a new book out called ultra learning and he was around here in Portland, um, like six weeks ago during the, uh, WDS conference. Mm -hmm. And, um, over lunch, he explained that he had been on 60 podcasts, I think. Yeah. And um, in some cases, his like PR person was just blind writing people like, hey, you know, this book's coming out. And having a book is a great reason to get on podcasts. But yeah. having a new piece of software is probably a good reason to get on podcasts as well. Yeah. Um, which, which makes me think I need to jot this down. But um, that strategy works for authors really well. It's a great way to get on the New York Times bestseller list if you can get on like 50 or 60 different podcasts. Huh. Um, but a lot of people have done it. So it, you know, there must be a way right. to get on all those shows. Um, however, talking about something like ultra learning is probably a bit of a broader subject matter than affiliate marketing. So yeah. you might, you might have to scale back and say, okay, well, where, what are the top 10 business or affiliate marketing specific podcasts that I could get on and just Fit. hound them? Yeah. And that's the thing. Like it's, it's just been slow and we have a, an agency that's doing it for us right now. And it's okay. just been like, there's a lot of back and forth, which I didn't expect. Um, and then the other piece was we were going to do blog. We we're going to blog because Andrew and I were like, we know SEO very well. We can blog, but then we know that that's not going to really have any traction in six months. And then finally it was, um, creating what I called the greatest sales page of all time, which did not happen. Like it just was not a great sales page. And I tried to make it fully interactive and it was, we basically made a page that people didn't understand how to use. Mm -hmm. Right. And kind of had to go back to the drawing board. And after talking with you and sort of saying like, this is, you know, your, your messaging is off. 
or at least it seems like it's off. And, and it's certainly like when I launched the new sales page, your reaction and a bunch of other people that I sent it to, same thing was like, oh, this is so, so much better. Like, I think you've, you, it's definitely closer to what you're selling than what you had. Mm-hmm. And that's just, you know, okay, I, that I know that that's not, that's all right. That's the second redesign. Well, I probably have like three more redesigns before the year is up. Right. You know, or, or, or copy tweaks or whatever. It's still going to be a slog. Yeah. And, and the thing you want to be careful of is, is making sure that you're not, um, that you're not falling into the inventor in a basement fallacy where you go lock yourself away and like make this amazing thing that you reveal to the world. And they're like, Oh my God, thank you so much. And your sales page, I think, can be a reflection of that, where you feel like, oh, if I just get the messaging right, it's all going to click. You have to have, you have to know whether or not you got the messaging right based on something, right? And so, yeah. um, obviously, feedback from from you know people like me or others is useful, especially if we actually do some affiliate marketing. And mm-hmm. you know, I know that um, you and Andrew are going to come over, and we're going to do lasso on the fizzle side, and yeah. I can't wait. I can't wait for that. But um, at the same time, like you, you need broad feedback from a bunch of people about that. And so in that case, you might be looking at metrics. You might be looking at like how many people are clicking on the thing, you know, Mm -hmm. and the conversion rates and all that kind of stuff based on your messaging and A-B testing or whatever, like more traditional kind of marketing stuff. Right. So you got the rest of the year sort of, do you have the rest of the year planned out at all? Um, No, I I, I wouldn't say that. Um, I mean... One thing, this is kind of a can of, can of worms, but one thing that's on the back of my mind is potentially raising a seed round. Mm. Um, the kind of round that's small enough that you don't have to necessarily give up a lot of control or yeah. or mortgage your future um, mm-hmm. based on where the business goes. But, you know, several hundred thousand dollars in the bank could make a big difference in terms of being able to get a jump start on this thing and being able to push through whatever that barrier Period is, is that, yeah. that you're trying. Um, so that's one thing that's on my mind. Uh, but really, you know, I'm just trying to get to, I'm like you, you know, you've had, how long have you been at this now or how long uh, since, since last launched? since, well, we've been it, it technically launched in January, but it was si- kind of like silent. Yeah. Um, I've been using it since probably February Okay. and we launched it, uh, technically June 1st. Yep. Um, to the public that people could start buying it, you know, willy nilly. So Uh, We had a waiting list at first, and then we were just like, let's just open it up. We did. It was like it was premium from the very beginning. Now there's a 14 day trial because we do want people to try it. Um, And yeah, I would say about two months, really. Yeah. So, you know, I I am um, really curious. This is like a fun experiment to see like six months from now when I look back what's, you know, what's our progress going to look like? How many customers have we signed up? What kind of revenue mm-hmm. are we doing? And, um, and how confident do I feel about the six months after that? And I, I have no idea what the answer is going to be, but it's, uh, it's like a choose your own adventure book. And you're staying sane so far, so far. <laughs> uh, and is there any other, like, I get, I'm not going to ask you for advice necessarily, but are the, is there anything else you're thinking about when it comes to not literally driving yourself crazy, you have been through this before. Mm-hmm. Did you go crazy the first time? Yes, I did. I did. I went crazy before. And the, the two things that, um, I am avoiding this time that 
drove me crazy last time were, well, three things, okay? One is um, we weren't focused on revenue because we were playing the whole Silicon Valley game where uh, you just try to build a massive product and worry about revenue later. That's fucking crazy because you're literally like going with your hands open. Give So revenue day one, right? So revenue day one. Uh, Number two is um, I had a business partner for with, with whom we had ended up having like daily blowout arguments. And, um, partly that was just personality. Um, partly it was the stress of the business and so on. Um, this project for better or worse, I don't have a business partner on. I haven't done one like that, um, really in a long time. And Mm -hmm. I'm excited to do that. Yeah. Um, the third thing was in that last business, uh, and this was, you know, 15 years ago or something yeah, when I was yeah. kind of coming up, cutting my teeth. Mm-hmm. Uh, we literally didn't talk to customers ever mm. unless somebody sent us a nasty email or something. <laughs> right, we, right. We didn't, we didn't go out and like watch people use the software, ask them about their lives. And, you know, we just assumed that we knew best and mm-hmm. like whatever we made was right for them. And um, since then, all the businesses that I built have been audience first where I'm like growing an audience and then like asking them what they need. Yep. And it's just been such a more reliable process for me. So, mm-hmm. uh, if I had to give people three pieces of advice, choose your business partners very, very carefully mm-hmm. aim to earn revenue first because revenue cures basically everything in business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the third is talk to customers frequently and regularly. Uh, I'm going to do that because I feel like uh, I've I've I don't know what I'm doing. And I think that that solves a lot of issues. And at least it feels like I'm doing something, even if it's even if it results in, you know, not actual revenue all the time. At least I know I'm trying something. Right. Well, and and look at it this way. Like if you could set up like three meetings a day with potential customers and one of those resulted in an install and somebody using the software, Mm -hmm. then 30 days from now, you'd have 30 more customers. And 30 more customers would be double the revenue that you're sitting at right now. Wouldn't that feel great? Yes, it would. 100%. Yeah. And, I, and I think uh, trying to find the balance between taking these calls, working on the software itself, and doing and then doing my other business, it's like just trying to stay sane without like, I don't want to, you know, I've, I've, I've sort of adapted your model since our last conversation. I've been very kind of like hands off my business a lot. I've not, I've been like focusing on fewer things. And and trying to like give myself more time to just like just you know do regular shit you know and have a life, uh, and so that's been great. This has been the best year I've had in business, not revenue wise, but freedom wise. Yeah, which has been great. No, you know, that's no awesome. stress this year. It's well, great. and 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 that's just learning like not to take on these dumb massive projects that you kind of know aren't going to pay off anymore. Right, right. Which but, you do. By the way, I love, I love, love, love the uh, the heading and subheading right now on Lasso. If if people listening to this haven't checked it out recently, get lasso.co. What, what, what is it? It oh, says, okay. make more money with every link, find new income opportunities, increase clicks, and measure what's making money by managing your links with Lasso. Yep. And, I I, and a... I'm hooked now. Like, like it's next week or whatever, um, when you guys come over and we get this thing up and running on Fizzle, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm excited to see what it can do. Yeah, I had a lot of help with that. We I spent a lot of time with Andrew coming up with that headline. And then even the subheadline took longer. And that has gone through a few iterations with customer feedback, actually. Who people who I asked, you know, hey, how would you make this better? 
and people literally drawing on the screen and like showing me how to like mix the words better. And I was like, oh, okay. And it's just over, it gets better over and over. Yeah, no, it's great now. So I, thank you. Yeah, I, I would, um, I'd probably just set that aside for 60 days. And, and just focus on. And uh, and let it do its work because it, it seems solid to me. All right. And then just talk to customers. And then just talk to customers. Just try to get this thing installed on as many as many potential customers as you can. Uh, the cool. question is like, how do you find those people? But every yeah, time you, right. every time you install something, you know, everybody who works in this world has several buddies who do the same thing. So just be like, if you like this, like who else do you think would like it? Exactly. Yeah. Um, well, thanks dude. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having Again. me. Again. Yeah. Um, where I know we talked about this throughout the episode, but where can folks find you online? What do you want to promote? What do you want to say? What do you want to plug? Yeah, so if you're interested in uh, learning about being an entrepreneur, taking courses, being in a community full of other people who are doing the exact same thing, just trying to build a, a living, doing something that they care about, head over to fizzle.co. And if you are thinking about building an online community yourself, Palapa hopefully is the platform for you. So check it out over at palapa.co. Yes, and to piggyback on that, I have been a Fizzle member since almost day one. Mm-hmm. I'm still a Fizzle member. I met Andrew through Fizzle. Um, I like to consider myself a Fizzle success story. And I think Andrew is also one. Yeah. As do I. Uh, so I continually recommend Fizzle to anybody who's trying to you know, do any sort of online business, even if they've already been in it for a while. It's just, it's, it's yeah, it's a great platform. Thanks. And uh, if if people are curious about like what makes you and Andrew Fizzle success stories, head over to fizzle.co slash results mm. and you will see their smiling faces along with dozens of other people who... Oh, am, uh, I, am I on there? You are. You I are. know Andrew's on there. You're on there with Swim University. Oh, all right. CEO yeah, and founder of Swim University. And uh, yeah. Sweet. Sweet. Love it. I, I credit you for most of my success. You know I, that. Well, I credit you for being, um, <laughs> you <laughs> for being Matt. <laughs> uh, thanks for coming on, man. Appreciate it. Thank you. Cool. Uh, I also want to thank, uh, another pe- person that we both know, Thomas Frank for sending in my new middle name, cream fresh. Uh, I believe it's creme fresh. Yeah. It's that. Or if you're, <laughs> if you, uh, watch South park, uh, Randy's like cream fresh. Yeah. Oh, one of my favorite lines. Uh, so thank you, Thomas. I will see you later. Uh, head over to moneylab.co to read more about our business experiments and challenges and email Matt at moneylab.co the topics you'd like us to discuss on this show. And of course, feel free to send me a new middle name suggestion. I will probably read anything, but Steph goes through and makes sure it's only the best are put for my middle name. She keeps me, keeps me safe. Uh, if you like the show, please subscribe to Apple Podcasts, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Player FM, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, or wherever you normally listen to podcasts. And when you do, please leave a review. Okay, that's it. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Please tell your friends about this show. (laughs) 